praise the Lord. Merry, joyous, and blessed Christmas to you, all of you, whoever you are. I know it's Christmas Day, but I'm doing right now the most exciting thing that I could ever be doing in this life right now, and that's sharing with you the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to continue our cross time with Pastor Curtis, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll close out the second chapter today. What a joyous time it's been this year. I know 2020 brought about a lot of darkness, confusion, and chaos, but I tell you, the Word of God has promised, our faithful Lord has promised us that the path of the just will shine more unto that perfect day. If we'll just stay on the path, keep running the race, fighting the good fight of faith, keep looking unto Jesus, the path God set you on will be shining more and more and more unto that perfect day, that day being the day that he comes for us and takes his bride home. Hallelujah. Again, merry, joyous, and blessed Christmas to you on this fine, sunny northeast Texas piney woods of northeast Texas here. We don't have white Christmases. Uh, most of the time we either have uh, sunny or, or, or misty, hazy, whatever Christmases, but we're just so thankful to be celebrating and worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ on this day. We'll spend all the whole day and, and as we have the last a few days with family and we're so thankful to God for our families. Oh, he's blessed us with a wonderful family and God has been so good to us. He has blessed us and, and increased us like never before in 2020. You know, you've heard it said that sometimes the, the worst years can end up being the best years and I feel like that's the case for this last year because you and I, the children of God, we don't live and follow after the leading of our flesh. If you do that, this was the worst year you could have ever had probably. But this has been one of the best years because when bad things happen, unsure things happen, it should cause the child of God to look unto Jesus more than ever before to find that grace of God more than ever before, to cling to that old nail-scarred hand, hallelujah, this glorious truth of the gospel like never before. And you cannot look unto Jesus and joy not rise up in your heart. You cannot look unto Jesus and, 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 and not find weariness fleeing out of your mind. You, if you're looking unto Jesus, you're going to find joy. You're going to find strength. You're going to find uh, the blessed hope stirring in your heart. And so again, today is before we dig into the Word of God here this morning, uh, as we do every Friday morning, I just want to encourage you, if you're watching this broadcast, even if it's later another day, I want to encourage you. Don't go through any season in, in some state of oppression or depression. The Bible says that God will establish His people in righteousness. Hallelujah. Isaiah prophesied this wonderful promise to you and me that God will establish His people in righteousness and fear and oppression will be far from us. Hallelujah. If God is allowed... By our agreement, by our allowance unto Him, by faith stirring in our heart in the cross of Christ, because there's where righteousness flows from, we will be found 
being established by him no matter what's going on in this world we live in. Jesus Christ wants to bring great hope and joy to your heart today and every day no matter what you've lost, no matter how much you've gained, no matter what is going on all around you. You belong to Christ if you're a Christian and you can have the joy of the Lord each and every day. You can have a hope that's increasing. You can have a knowledge that's increasing. You can have grace that you're growing in if it's of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful again today that we can look back and see that not only did God bring His Son into this world uh, to uh, be born of a virgin, which had to happen, but he brought his son in through that avenue so that he would be born without the process of the, the reproduction of a man and woman because when men and women get together and children are reproduced after their own kind, they're sinners. But Jesus was born of a virgin being placed in the womb as the seed, the incorruptible seed, the living Word of God prophesied by God to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15. And, and born of a virgin without a sin nature, lived his entire life, 33 and a half years, laying his life down of his own will, humility and obedience for you and for me so that we could have the things that God gave him to us. Most of the time at Christmas, we, we just say, well, thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. But if we'll look in the Word and see what we've really been offered in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us the four things that Christ was made unto us. And in those four things is everything that we will ever have need of, that God will be able to increase in those four things that Christ was made unto us. He was made redemption, righteousness, sanctification, and wisdom. Think about that. Righteousness, redemption, sanctification, and wisdom. Inside those four things is everything that you will ever, ever need. And not only now, but throughout all eternity because Christ was made unto, those, unto us those four things. We have everything. You, you could have been standing there gazing into the manger of Jesus or you could have been standing there the day that he died on Calvary's cross and you couldn't have had anything greater than you have right now by believing with your heart in Him, Jesus Christ, the Son of God that became the Lamb of God to take away your sins. When you believe that, my friend, you have the gift of Christmas. You have the gift of Calvary. You have the gift of Almighty God. The greatest gift of all time is when God gave to you His only begotten Son, he did give Jesus to the whole world, but He didn't just throw Him at the world. He gave Him to you. And that offer was made to you and me when we heard the gospel.
And we did with that gift what I hope, would hope everyone would do. We receive that gift by believing with the heart for that is how we receive the gift. And not just initially, my Christian friends, but that's how we continue to experience that gift of life daily. Paul told Timothy, lay hold on that eternal life that you've been given. Lay hold on it. Experience it. Praise God. And we are in that letter from Paul to Timothy, that second letter. And today we will, as I said, we will dig in and we will finish the second chapter of 2 Timothy. How blessed we've been. And uh, we just look so forward to what God's going to say and do in the days ahead. My heart is stirring like never before about Jesus coming to take the rapture, uh, to take the rapture, to take us by the rapture, to take us by the great resurrection as he takes us as his bride home. And, 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 and I've got some things in the days ahead that I want to share about that. And I, I, I've shared a couple of things uh, on social media uh, about that. Uh, and I tell you, my heart is stirring. I believe that any moment the Father is going to send His Son, Jesus Christ, back for His bride. I believe at any moment. I believe it at any moment. Are you ready? I pray that you are. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 is where we will begin this morning. I know the Lord will put the bread on the table. I know the Lord will give meat to those who are learning how to be skillful in the words of righteousness so that they can actually be uh, more of... Uh, involved more in the experience of Christianity more than just saying I'm a Christian, but the experience of this eternal life, the, the, the walking in the avenue where God has set before you to walk and not being like the, uh, the, those written to in Hebrews that were told, I have much more to tell you, but you can't even hear it because you're carnal. Uh, you should be teachers by now, but you're still in the same capacity you were in uh, so long, when you first believed. There's not growth here. And he tells them why. Because you're unskillful in the word of righteousness. We're living in a time right now, my friend, where God is pouring out the, the, the prophetic illumination of His Word in the person and the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, who made us righteous through our faith in His righteous work at Calvary. He set our feet on a path of righteousness. He made us servants of righteousness. He said those that favor His righteous cause would be shouting for joy. Hallelujah. We're learning that all of God's words, Proverbs 8 and 8, are in righteousness. We're learning these things. We're, we're, we're learning that, that he, he, he only judges and makes war through righteousness. The city that we're supposed to be looking for, hastily looking for, is that city wherein righteousness dwells. We need to be moving in this direction. He, he created us in righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. It, Ephesians 4.24. It, it's all about God making a people righteous and using them in His righteousness to bear forth the fruits of His righteousness. And that can happen in your life, my friend. He establishes us, as I've already mentioned, in righteousness. Isaiah 54, 14, with grace, Revelation 13, 9, and Paul says that 
It's by his gospel that God establishes us. So it's in righteousness, with grace, by the gospel. Things you can't separate. We need to make a list. You preachers listening to this, you need to start making a list of things you can't separate and you'll see it all, all of it's attached to Jesus and his righteous work at Calvary. The Bible says, Isaiah prophesied that in Isaiah 32, 17, that the work of righteousness is peace. <laughs> and Colossians 1, 20 says he made our peace by the blood of his cross. So the cross was God's work of righteousness carried out by his son in an act of humbly dying, obediently dying. He was obeying the commandment of his father. That was the work of righteousness and the, the result of it was peace for you and me. Its effect, Isaiah said, is quietness and assurance. That's of soul. Quietness and assurance that I don't have to be worried. I don't have to live in fear. I, I, fear and oppression are now far from me because God is establishing me in righteousness. Oh, it's things we need to be looking into. It will stir your heart with great joy. Hallelujah. But Paul here, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 24, and the servant must of the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive. He, he must not be quarrelsome. He must not always be about that which is a dispute. We, we, we know in our immaturity, we've done that many times. If we're not careful, we'll be caught up in that again. We, 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 things begin to get spiritual and, and we just come, we just throw on the table things like, well, what do you believe about once saved, always saved? What do you think about them tongues, about them people? The things that always bring about controversy, and those things need to be understood, those topics too. But we're talking about becoming an active participant in Christianity. These things aren't written, and I know they're called the pastoral epistles, and I, I don't disagree with that, but I think anything written for a pastor to be walking in is something the people of God need to know because the, the congregation of the Lord, the, the people, the sheep of God's pasture need to be following the shepherds that, are, that God has set in place, the pastors, as they follow Christ. So their lives should be looked at. You don't throw the pastoral epistles away and say, well, that's for preachers. No, because whatever is good for a preacher is good for you because you're supposed to be following a pastor God has set in place to guide you, to help you to share God's word with you, to point you in the right direction, not just by word, but by actions, by the way they live, the way they're married, the way they raise their children. You should follow them as they follow Christ. Hallelujah. So whatever's written to, to Timothy here as a, a pastor slash apostle, whatever he was there in Ephesus is where he was when this was written to him. And... Uh, we must understand these things are for us today. When you begin to take the Bible, the Word of God, personal to you, God, God was writing this for you and for me. Everything changes then when, when your Christianity becomes more than something you believed 30 years ago, 10 years ago. 
when your Christianity becomes now a, a, a something more than you look at at Christmas and Easter. It's something that you lay hold of every day. You, you're not headed toward eternal life if you're a Christian. You have eternal life. His name is Jesus. He dwells in you by His Spirit. You have eternal life now. And, and when God's Word becomes personal to you, it's because you've become desperate for what's real. You've become desperate for the experience more than a church service, more than something we call, well, I did my duty this week. No, I, my duty is to express Christ while I'm here on this earth. Paul put it this way in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. Are you living? Are you living? Are you living? To live is Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But Paul tells Timothy, the servant of the Lord must not strive. He must not always be about a dispute. He must not be quarrelsome. That's what the word really means. He must not be quarrelsome. And again, we've all in our immaturity been in that place until we learn that we can't change anybody no matter how angry we get because they're blind or they refuse to believe or whatever the case may be. We, 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 I hope we're learning. I hope we're growing where we, we're angry at the one who's setting the trap. We're not the people, not the flesh and blood. We're angry at, at, at the devil because he's the one setting the trap that we'll read about here in just a moment. And because the mission here is the mission of God through his people. And the avenue is that we are his servants. We're not some churches or preachers. We're the servant of the Lord. We're the servant of the Lord. We're serving the Lord and his mission. That's what our lives are about. Hallelujah. He saved us to be able to express him that others would see and hear and be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but must, must be gentle. Notice the word must here. Must not be quarrelsome. But must not be quarrelsome, but be gentle unto all men. Able to teach. Must be patient must be patient. God is patient with us and if our faith is in what Christ did at Calvary, then we're going to see and hear more accurately because we're going to have a greater discernment of the Holy Spirit. The, the level of our discernment concerning the things of the Spirit of God is related equally to our discernment and our understanding of the cross of Christ. What you understand about the cross of Christ is what you will understand about the Holy Spirit. That's another couple things you can't separate. The more you learn about Jesus and what he did at Calvary, the more you will learn about the Holy Spirit. And it does not happen the other way because the Holy Spirit is here to teach you about Jesus, to teach you about his way, to guide you in his way, the way of the truth. Hallelujah. So the servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be gentle, he must be patient, and unto all men, not just those in his little circle and those outside of his circle. Uh, you know, a lot of Christians, I speak from experience in the past, our flesh, our flesh just doesn't really want to be around Christians all the time, so we take great pleasure in working. 
going to work every day because we can be more of our fleshly selves and we're you're honest, you know what I'm talking about. But we're here told to be not quarrelsome and gentle unto all men, able to teach and patient. You and I need to be able to teach before we start trying to teach. You need to know what it is you've got a hold of. You need to understand what's got a hold of you before you can begin to teach others. And Paul said what what he gives others, he, he only gives, he only commits to others to teach what he teaches. He doesn't, he doesn't just give places for men and women to have to teach. He commits to them that which he's taught them to be able to teach. Glory to God. We don't just give people a place to teach and preach. We commit to them this gospel so that they will be committed to give this gospel that Paul preached to others. Amen. So we must not strive. That means to quarrel, to be in dispute all the time, all argumentative all the time. Now I understand there's going to be arguments, but you've got to be gentle and patient when folk are arguing with you. And, and, and if you're walking with the Lord, if you're walking with the Lord, you're going to understand when there is a quarrelsome spirit there. People asking you questions just to be quarrelsome and, and, and you're going to learn how to deal with that by the spirit, the leading of the spirit of God rather than those who are asking you questions to learn. It's like the Virgin Mary when she was told what was going to happen to her. Uh, she said, well, well, how's this going to be? I've not known a man. You know, she went to questioning the Lord. Well, John the Baptist Daddy went to questioning the Lord and, and, and the Lord made him mute until John was born. And, and, and so it, it's, it's the spirit behind the questions we ask. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Must not strive, but must be gentle unto all men, out to teach, patient. Uh, and again, quarrelsome means, uh, striving means quarrelsome. Uh, to be meek, uh, to, be, to be gentle means to be meek. And to be meek means to be humble, kind, uh, and, and apt. To teach means able, and patient means enduring and forbearing. We're, we're patient, we're, we're forbearing. We see that they aren't, a lot, far, far, you know, they're not maturing as they should be, or they're believing something wrong. So as we have the opportunity by the Spirit of God to share the truth, and you can tell those, again, you can tell those who want to hear it and grow and those who are where they are and they have no intention of leaving what they have. And you just have to pray for those, shake the dust off your feet and move on. You're not told anywhere in the Scripture to just keep banging your head on the wall to them to try to make them see because that's something we can't do is make them see. Only God can do that. But we can share the truth. But he, t he goes on to say, this is done in a place. The servant of the Lord uh, uh, is able to teach and he does it gentle, gently and patiently uh, unto all men. But it's done in a place. When you see the word in, that means it's a location in the house, in the car, in the restaurant. This, this place where 
the servants of the Lord serve the Lord by being gentle and 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 and, and patient and and not quarrelsome uh, and, and ready, ready, able, ready and able to teach is done in humility. It's done in humility. And, and let, let me say this this morning. It's very important that we know this. Humility is only found in one place. It's only legitimate by our faithful God in one place. And that's faith in the cross. Grace, the grace of God only flows from Jesus Christ and the death He tasted by grace, Hebrews 2, 9, at Calvary. Grace doesn't flow into my life just to go do a function that I feel like God wants me to do. I get grace if my faith is in. That means I'm identifying again with, right now faith is, my faith is in, I'm identifying with that taste of death Jesus tasted for me by grace and I'm identified with that. I'm planted together with Him in the likeness of His death and therefore I receive grace, I receive this resurrection life to be able to be a servant of the Lord, a minister of the Lord. Now think about this. This is powerful. God gives grace to the humble, but the humble are only those who trust in Christ's work at Calvary. Everybody else thinks humility is some attitude they give. Well, it's just me being gentle. No, there's lost people who have a gentle act and a patient appearance. You have to admit that if you've been around anybody that's lost. And you were lost at one time, and maybe you were a gentle person, a, a patient with people, but that didn't save you. Patience and gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Let, let me say that again. Patience and gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And we need to understand that. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Read the fruit of the Spirit listed there. By those who are following after the Spirit, meaning those who are trusting today in the work of Christ at Calvary, not everything else, then they will have the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruits of God's righteousness. Again, two things that can't be separated. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness. They can't be separated. There's not the fruits of righteousness and then over here the fruit of the Spirit. No. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of righteousness are all one and the same thing and they take place in the lives of those who are laying hold on eternal life. Those who are trusting in the place life comes from. Life, as my good friend Scotty Williams, pastor in Dublin, Georgia, said, the life of the Christian, the life of Christ, only comes out of death. Out of death. Jesus had to suffer and be put to death before he could live again so that you and I could have a lively hope. And you and I must continue to trust in that death of Christ so that that grace of God he tasted death by can flow into our lives. That's the only ground of humility God recognizes. Let's make it very simple so we understand. God gives 
more grace to the humble. And he gave grace to the humble. It's grace that saved us when we humbled ourselves and threw everything else in the trash and believed only in what Christ did on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. God said, humility and I am grace unto you. You receive the grace of God and by that the Bible declares God got involved in your life. He saved you. He forgave you. He justified you. Declared you righteous. Hallelujah. And will continue that work he began in that moment if you continue to believe in what he did at Calvary. For humility is the only avenue that gets grace. And humility is not just patience and gentleness. Humility is a trust in Jesus Christ. Humility only trusts in Christ and His work at Calvary. Outside of humility, which is a trust in the cross of Christ, alone is pride. And we see here the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, but he must be gentle unto all men. Must be what he's known for. Not that he's just gentle and not quarrelsome, but that he is a servant of the Lord and that's why he's not quarrelsome. That's why he's gentle. That's why he's patient because the Spirit of the Lord is working in him or her as the servant of the Lord and he is ready and able to teach. See, this is where Paul also told Timothy, study the word to show thyself approved unto God. Oh, that's been a great uh, uh, impartation of illumination in my heart as we've studied these two letters from Paul to Timothy. You're already approved unto God through your faith in the blood of Jesus, my friend. But God says study the word to show yourself approved, not to men, but unto Him. God's looking to see the fruit of the approval on your life. He approved you. He justified you. Declared you righteous through your faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. And He's looking to see the fruit of that approval. Hallelujah. And no, no, we're not, we're not studying to become approved. We're studying to show ourselves that God has approved of us. We are the children of God and we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. But He says here, this is done in humility instructing those, watch this now, this is where it gets real interesting. In humility, that means we have the grace of God now. And by the grace of God, we're instructing those who are opposing themselves. Now, if we look at this verse, and I want you to look at it, I've capitalized and, and highlighted the words instructing and the last two words, the truth. For that is what we must be found instructing. Amen? We, we, we are not instructing words that are not truth. We're not just quoting God's word in some context of a denominational belief or a pastoral this or, or some book that's come out on the market. No, no, my friend. You and I, in, in humility, with gentleness and patience, ready and able to teach instructing the truth. 
our instruction is the Word of God as the truth of God in the gospel context. Colossians 1.5, the Word of the truth of the gospel. The Word of the truth of the gospel. <laughs> if you're listening to me this wonderful Christmas morning, I will share a little light for you this morning concerning that which reveals God's righteousness as we've covered earlier is everything to Him. For as we study the Word of God to show ourselves approved unto Him, what He's seeing is the fruit of His righteous work of His righteous Son at Calvary. That's what He's seeing. Hallelujah. Because that's our approval before Him. But the Bible says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, that the gospel, let me, let me say this right, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. So the gospel is what reveals the righteousness of God. So Proverbs 12 and 17 says, the, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. So with those two portions of Scripture alone, we see that the truth of God can never be separated from the gospel of God. And we know both of those things come by the Word of God and they come to life to us when we put our faith in the living Word of God and what He did for us as the Lamb of God at Calvary. And you'll learn more things such as that that will light up your soul if you're looking to grow, if you want to grow. By these ministers God is raising up in these last days that... He's showing unto them the light of His work. There's an increase of light flowing. Now there's also an increase of perversion flowing in most of what's called the church today. There's an increase of wickedness. There's an increase of falling away. There's an increase of seducing spirits, uh, seducing God's people. But there's also an increase of light Again, that scripture we quoted at the first of the broadcast, the path of the just, Proverbs 4.18, shines more. The path of the just is what God has shining more until that perfect day. So let's get into this. We'll have to if we're going to finish it today. In humility, it's a place. In humility... That means faith in the cross because only there God recognizes and calls it's the only legitimate place in God's mind, in God's eyes, to give grace. It's to the humble. And it takes grace for us to do what we're doing. But remember, grace is not something mystical and magical God just gives you a dose of. No, grace is God Himself getting involved in what He's called you to do. That's according to His will. Grace is God getting involved. God had to get involved to save you by grace, and you surely are, if you're saved, saved by grace through faith. Amen. God has to get involved if we're going to be taught. Titus chapter 2, verses 11, 12 tell us that grace is what teaches us. That means God has to get involved and show us what we need to see, impart it when we believe it. He is the teacher, God. Paul said he labors by the grace of God. Not something mystical and magical. God just, uh, just chose him to give him. No, God's grace is God getting involved 
in the lives of those who will have faith in that which he honors with his presence. What's the, what did you believe that gave you God's presence? You believed in Christ and what he did at Calvary. As quick as the rapture is about to take place, God was living inside of you and your body became the temple of the Spirit of God. When you trusted, believed in, God calls it obeyed, that form of doctrine that freed you from sin and made you a servant of righteousness. Romans 16, 17, and 18. Read those verses. You'll be blessed. And I can't stress this enough. In humility is faith in the cross because legitimate humility gets grace, but grace only flows from not because of being born again, but because my faith rests alone in Christ and what he did at Calvary. What a wonderful Christmas morning blessing this is to be able to be sharing these wonderful words of life and truth and direction for those who are hungry and sick of everything. Just, just listen, somebody's listening to me right now and for years you've just not been able to put your finger on that which you know is missing, that which you know is not actually accurate. You're listening to me and, 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 you, and your heart is being charged as you hear these scriptures being poured out in the light of Christ. Your heart is being quickened. Your very inner man is being quickened because you're hearing the Word of God in its righteous context as truth. That means in the person and the work of Christ, the context of the cross of Jesus Christ. What a Christmas joy it is to be talking about what we're talking about. Hallelujah. The avenue through which grace comes that we can be found in. And just because I'm in Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to work out okay for me. I must walk in Him, Colossians 2, 6, just as I received Him, which was by faith in His death for me at Calvary. So let's work on this now. In humility, instructing the truth, the last two words of the verse, but let's back up, instructing who? Those who are opposing themselves. If God, perhaps, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Wow! It takes hearing the truth, acknowledging the truth, before God gives repentance. Repentance is more than I'm sorry, God. God forgives you when you ask Him to forgive you. You better know that. God is a forgiving, faithful to forgive God. If you're asking God in the name of His Son Jesus to forgive you and your faith is in what Christ did at Calvary so that you can be forgiven, God is forgiving you. But times of refreshing only come, and here's your Christmas message right here. Times of refreshing only come to those who find repentance. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covers his own sin shall not have mercy, shall not find mercy. If I'm trying to cover my own sin, 
other than trusting in what Christ did for me to wash it away at Calvary. If I, if I try to cover my own sin, not just the acts of sin, but if I try to cover over me having a sin nature, if I try to cover over that with, <coughs> with good works, I try, to, I try to defeat the sin nature with good works. I'm trying to, I got this covered. I can do this. He shall not have the mercy of God. But listen, let me quote the rest of Proverbs 28, 13. But he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall have the mercy of God. Now I messed that verse up. Let me fix it. He that covers his own sin shall not prosper. That's what it says. Now, and, and, and watch this now. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covers his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall have the mercy of God. Do you see in that one verse how the mercy of God is equated by God to the prosperity of God? The mercy of God is my prosperity. <laughs> and it's new every morning. Hallelujah. That means God's prosperity is toward me again every morning. Don't sit around at Christmas time in the mully grubs oppressed by lies that you don't have this and you can't do all they can. If your faith is in Christ, hallelujah, and what he did for you at Calvary, you are rich in grace because the mercy of God is offered to you and accepted by you as God's prosperity. Hallelujah. What good news that is. But here is something you need to hear. Anybody can confess their sins, but only those who come to Calvary can find their sins not covered, but washed away. And they begin to allow God's word to prosper in their hearts. Hallelujah. Praise God. So watch this. If we will walk in this place, in this place, in Christ, which is a, a place of humility, and we ourselves are being found instructing those ready and able to teach those who are opposing themselves. They're opposing their own selves. Hell is full of people who opposed, yes, they opposed God. They opposed the truth of God. But God sees that. The way He sees that is it's a people... He's created in His image, put eternity in their hearts, given them a conscience and a creation to look at. They're without excuse, but they opposed, yes, Him, yes, His way, but He sees it as they opposed their own selves. And where they are today, in, in a place of torment for all eternity, they live, forget the word live, they experience torment like we can't imagine. And the greatest torment of hell is not the flames of fire, but the torment of knowing I'm here because of me. I opposed God. I opposed His way of truth. I, I opposed this, what they call the gospel. But I see now I was only opposing myself. I was only opposing myself. And your mission, Christian, Brother, sister, my mission, that's why I'm here this morning on this beautiful Christmas day, is to continue to instruct, ready and able to teach those that are opposing themselves, 
Many times, if we'll be honest this morning, you and I oppose our own selves. We know the truth of the cross. We've heard it and we've been learning it for several years that it's the way in which God works and builds His church. It's the way He delivers, saves. He does everything He does. All His works are done in truth. Psalms 33, 4. But yet, we sometimes, our flesh, we give it leeway to oppose that way that we know is the God way, the right way, the new and living way. Our flesh. You know you're saying, yes, you're right, preacher. Even though we've learned this way, we know what's right. We, we know the way of the cross is the, is the way of God's righteousness, the only way of grace and bearing, the only way that He's offered to all of humanity is the way of the cross, the way of righteousness. That's, that's what He's offered to us. It's the way of life. But yet we still, our flesh... If we give it opportunity, instead of fighting the good fight of faith, we'll find ourselves opposing this way. And the reason is our flesh does not like the way of the cross because the cross eliminates every work that's not that work. That's why it takes Christians, if they ever repent and come back to the acknowledgement of the truth, a little while. Because we, we've been deceived, we've been carried away, not by men, but by the lust of our own flesh. And when we think something else wor is working for us, that's always pride because God's only working in what He did at Calvary. The gospel is the power of God. And when we think this, whatever this is, is working, that's pride. Can't be humble. You can put on a show of gentleness and being patient, but it's not of the Spirit of God. If it's not a trust in the cross of Christ. And we can, we can oppose ourselves. Another proof of that is the New Testament telling us not to live as though we're unwise, not to live as though we're fools. Well, when I see the Bible instructing me not to live as foolish as though we're fools, that tells me that the possibility is there that I can be found living as a fool. Now, I know there's a God. Psalms 53.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. But when I'm not trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary, and, and I'm being led by my spirit, my flesh, away from that into things that my flesh is lusting for. I can do this. I can make this happen. We, we, I've got this. I've got this new book. You should see it. We found the secret. We found the new thing God is doing. And oh, he, through this, He will deliver you. No, He delivers only through the way of the cross. The same way that He saves and does all that He does. Hallelujah. We find ourselves not fools, not saying there is no God, but living in a way God has not prescribed for us to be living in. Acting and living as though we're foolish, telling people that we still honor the Sabbath day. We still eat this and we don't eat that and when we don't honor the Sabbath and when we do eat something wrong, we're, we're, we feel bad about it. You know, that, that, my friend, is living as though you're foolish. It's, that's foolish 
to give any day or any food some higher level of anything. You're not under any of that and you need to cling to the truth. I see posts on social media by, by people who, 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 who talk all these positive things about the law. And the law was a glorious ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that. But it also tells us that it was, even though it was glorious, what made it glorious was that it was the way of God. It was the Word of God. It was glorious. It was holy because it was God's Word, God's direction, God's way pointed to. But we couldn't keep it. And not a human being ever has outside of Jesus Christ. Think about that. But the law was also a ministry. It tells us in the Word. A ministry of condemnation and death and only works the wrath of God. Because we can't keep it, the wrath of God is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men because we can't keep the law. And the law was sent, given to men to point us to the one who would come and keep the law. Another great Christmas message. God gave His only begotten Son to be able to keep the whole law and die for us who couldn't keep one jot or tittle of it. Hallelujah. But when you see all these people saying all these things, always talking about the law, and, all, and it doesn't result in them pointing to the cross, then you know they're bound. They're bound under it. Even though they're a Christian, they're bound under it. Because the, the law, I'm not getting into all that today. I didn't come to do that. But if you're watching people post all these positive things about holidays and rights and eat this and don't eat that and this day and that day, you have the Word of God in the New Covenant that tells you don't be duped, seduced, deceived by men about days or foods. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, nor is it about a day or a week or a month. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Follow that teaching and you will find yourself laying hold on eternal life. Watch this. We've got to get through this today. You guys are going to have to quit holding me up like that. So we're going to have to be found in humility, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now you're going to have to show enough have the fruit of uh, gentleness and the fruit of patience here because these people, if they're opposing themselves, they sure are going to oppose you. Amen. If, if a person's opposing God, he's opposing God's truth, God's way, he's opposing himself, he's going to oppose you. So you and I are going to have to be gentle. We're going to have to be humble. We're going to have to be patient with these people because they're opposing themselves. They're walking in a state of blindness. And God wants to give them, God wants to give them repentance. All those years I was teaching wrong. I never taught wrong about being born again. It was always through faith in Jesus, His shed blood at the cross. But I taught for years wrong about how to find victory over the bondages that attack you. The chains that we find on us, the, the way of victory. I taught wrong. And you can't teach what's right if you don't have it in your heart. And you hear, let me just, I'm not being ugly on this beautiful Christmas morning. 
But men that refuse to preach this are men who don't really have this in their heart like they need it. Oh, they know it. They can tell it. But they think it's just one aspect. One, it's one of the books on the shelves of many. You know, the message of the cross, Christ and Him crucified, is the only power that God has sent to this earth. You need to understand that. The power of God is the preaching of the cross. Hear me this morning. That two-edged sword that the one holds in Revelation 2.12. That, that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, for it to function in your life properly, it has to be the Word of the truth of the gospel. Because all God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, that'll be one of the best things you'll ever learn if you're a student of the Word. All of God's words are in righteousness and His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Up from that faith that brought the born-again experience to faith, from that faith to this. To, we walk by faith, from faith to faith as the righteousness of God is being revealed in the Word of God in the gospel context. Never forget that, my friend. It'll uproot some of you. That illumination right there in your heart, you will hear God tell you you're in the wrong place. You've been here far too long. It's time to get up and get out and get planted where I will plant you so that you can finally flourish in my courts. Hallelujah. What a word on Christmas morning. Hallelujah. What a word. Oh, it's a good word. But the instruction we have is the truth. Amen. The Bible gives three clarifications of what truth really is. The, the Bible says that thy word, Jesus praying in John 17, thy word is truth. Jesus himself in John 14, 6 declares himself to be the truth. 1 John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 5 one of those verses there tells us that the Spirit of God is truth. Again, three things that can't be separated because the sword, hear it, of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit, that is the Word of God, brings forth God's righteous direction, God's righteous judgment, the war of the Lord. The Lord judges in righteousness, makes war in righteousness. The instruction we offer, if we are servants of the Lord, if we are serving the Lord in our ministry, what we're serving is the truth. What we're ready and able to teach is the word of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that those who are opposing themselves and everyone out there today who's trusting in the purpose-driven, the government of 12, the, the three steps, the walking around the house 10 times, quoting this, that I'm going to get deliverance, or fasting this many days, I'm going to get deliverance, or, 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 or going into my prayer closet and, and, and just quoting, I'm going to get, no, the cross is your deliverance. 
the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and we, we didn't know it when we were out there doing it, but we were opposing our own selves until we agree with the Lord that His work in His Son at Calvary to save us and to deliver us and to heal us from all destruction and to provide, to provide the daily grace we need for ministry to be whatever God has laid before us to function in until we agree that the cross is God's only answer, then we're opposing Him and ourselves. And again, let me say it, what a wonderful Christmas message this is to you this morning. And I'm thankful to be able to share it with you. I'm going to be with my family all day. I know some people say, what in the world is he doing that on Christmas morning for? Because this is the greatest joy I have in this life. To share and instruct the wonderful words of life. Especially on a day that we celebrate and rejoice that God gave us His Word in the flesh. He gave us Himself. Hallelujah. Oh, how great of a joy that is to know that and to have more than lip service or to acknowledge that for a moment but to have that hold on this one who is our eternal life. Watch this now. The reason God has called us to function in this avenue, in this way, with this direction, watch this, verse 26, the last verse. And that they may recover... that they find this repentance God offers them if they will acknowledge the truth again. They can recover themselves out of the trap, the snare of the devil because they've been taken captive by him at his will. The devil has a will. And it's not just for the lost world. He already, he already has the power over them. They're lost they're separated from God in their sins. That means they're dead in their sins. Only as one is born again and reconciled to God through faith in the blood of Jesus does he lose his grip over them. Are they delivered from his trap? But the Christian, I speak from experience, can be found in chains, in a trap, without the experience of the refreshing of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives daily because we're opposing ourselves and there is no repentance while I'm opposing myself. It's when I stop opposing myself by humbling myself, throwing out everything I've trusted in and once again, if I, if I have it one time, once again, trusting in my faithful God and the work he did exclusively. He did purging me from my sins by himself. Hebrews 1 and 3. I'm trusting in that today, my friends. Are you? I hope so. Because the devil has a will, but God has a better one. The devil had us caged, but Jesus and what he did at Calvary is the key that unlocks that cage, whether it's the born-again experience and you're liberated for the first time or you found yourself bound up because you've been trusting in yourself. And that's the greatest opposition to ourself is when we're trusting in ourself. Self was put away at Calvary. And anything I'm trusting in is me trusting that self 
can do that. But on this fine Christmas morning, know this, God has given to us His Son. A child was born, a son was given. A virgin did conceive. And again, let me say it, Isaiah prophesied both of those great truths, promises that God would give the seed of the woman He promised 4,000 years earlier. And today is the day that hopefully most of the world will look at what God offered in the giving of His Son. The avenue through which He came through the Virgin Mary without being born of man's involvement, man's hands, which represents our born-again experience that we've been conceived by the Spirit as well. Just as Jesus Christ was born of the Spirit through the Virgin Mary, we've been conceived by that incorruptible seed. His name is Jesus. God bless you richly. May you find this day with your family or if even if you have no family or you're not getting together with your family, Jesus Christ is the greatest family and our Heavenly Father that you will ever have. Don't look around at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. You have the riches of heaven on this Christmas day. And you've been reminded this morning that you can experience, lay hold on eternal life. His name is Jesus. You can be used by God to share the truth of His Word. And I hope that you and your family have a merry, blessed, joyous, happy Christmas Day this day and that you will find Jesus as the light of your life like never before. God bless you. I love you and I'll see you soon. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you.